We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. As many of you know that Davis Maddock and I have gotten together as a cross-promotion between the Pat Mayo Experience podcast and the TakeCast podcast, which everyone should go subscribe to, throughout the course of the year called the CoronaCast. I think we did 13 parts of it. Horrible takes abound, but it's usually just Davis and I getting together and shooting the shit about, you know, life, what's going on, what things are like where he is, what things are like where I am, and we've decided to do it one more time to close out 2020, and we touch on you know stuff that's locked down what people are doing in their area he talks and brags about bitcoin a little bit we talk about the fantasy and betting industry amongst a whole bunch of other things <laughs> along the line so thank you all for tuning into the corona cast throughout the year i know it's for some people not so much for other people but hey we appreciate your support at the same time so if you can please if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast rate review and subscribe rate it five stars on apple Podcasts. that would help us out tremendously and if you're watching the youtube version of the show apologize for no video but we never do these with the videos we're just kind of hanging out and laying back so enjoy the phone or graphic but smash the like button anyway and please subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. We got a bunch of fun stuff. Actually, we talk about some of the new shows that could be coming on Mayo Media Network in the new year. So you might want to listen to that part of the show. I totally forget when it actually falls in. But I just enjoy chatting with Davis. Hope you enjoy it too. All right. Sit back and enjoy. We'd been doing these shows every week for for a couple months when, you know, when the the pandemic was in its its full rages and it's really still in its full rages now in the states, but life life has moved on for many people, Pat, and we it was your idea really to just kind of do a a year-end recap uh brain dump show and as as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, 
I absolutely love when people approach me with ideas for shows um, because that means less work for me. So that's beautiful. So Pat, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm going to run this a day after, I think, on my podcast feed up on Mayo Media Network. People need to subscribe to Mayo Media Network, by the way. Have you subscribed to Mayo Media Network? Because that would really help me out. I was probably your first subscriber. No, that was me. Okay, well, I was maybe like the (laughs) seventh or eighth. Well, like I, very, I literally, I literally probably was one of the first 10. I very much appreciate that. I subscribe to all my friends' podcasts. Now, do I listen to all of them? No. I do not. But I do, I do subscribe and, and rate and review all of my friends' shows. The one thing I like about the Take Cast is that it's only once a week. So I, I can find, you know, my hour to go listen to the Take Cast. And you can binge it. Very rarely are they, very rarely are they uh, very timely. Now, this will be a semi-timely episode. Like, you probably won't want to listen to this episode in 2022, but there are many episodes of the show you could just turn on whenever. And and so, yeah, I, that's, I, that's kind of the idea. I think that listening to the show in 2022 would be kind of hilarious, only because I tried to listen back to our very first CoronaCast, and it was just embarrassing. So yeah, we just probably just got everything wrong. We're like, yeah, life back to normal three, four weeks, yeah, two days. Yeah, don't I'm worry sure. about it. Yeah. Mask. Yeah. Fucker masks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I, I was, I have been more pessimistic than you the entire time, but even in my most pessimistic nightmares, I did not have this specific scenario um, playing out. I don't even really know what the scenario is at this point, because it's been a while since we've talked about this. And, you know, I, I think that this series of podcasts, I think we've done 12 of them, none during football season, because as yeah. most people know, that football takes over our lives during this time and we don't have extra hours just to throw away on content. Although I really do enjoy these shows, so I wish I could have made more time for it. But, you know, kids, they get to you and you got your dog and your weight loss challenge. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. How's that going, by the way? Uh, weight loss challenge going pretty good first month down 14 pounds. So that's, I mean, that was right about what I expected. I, I obviously the first month is going to be the easiest. Cause I went from purposely trying to be fat the two weeks before to cutting way down, um, did, did allow myself, you know, like some carbs and sweets and shit on Christmas, but yeah, for the, for the most part going pretty well i feel pretty confident i am gonna beat dave i don't i don't think that he can match my my mental strength um in terms of like you know i i only eat five hours a day in between uh 12 and 5 and i i have not missed a day of exercise since we started i've been trying to exercise as much as possible i can't remember if i told you this or not i tore my calf back at like the end of september like early yeah, yeah. Oct- early October, so I couldn't do any cardio. And then I finally got the clearance from like the physiotherapist, being like, "Hey, your rehab went well. You can like go running again. You can start taking this like quick intervals." But by that time, like all the gyms here were closed. I had no access to a treadmill, and it was so cold and icy out at you know, most times when I could be able to go running that I couldn't go running outside. So I still haven't done any cardio. I, I've taken my sons for walks a few times, like a couple mile walks, but that's about it. Yeah. But the day that I got clearance from the torn cab, I threw out my back and couldn't walk for like three days. It's been horrible. <laughs> so, and you, you live in an apartment, right? So like a, a home gym is, is just totally out of the question. I have a room that I could, like, I had my weight bench in there over the summer, but since the second kid has come along I, over that time period. That room has been transformed into let's just throw as much shit in there as possible room. So I moved my weight bench into the office 
Uh, but you don't have the same motivation to come and lift. And like you can you can lift all you want. You're you're only going to gain weight. Not that it's bad weight to gain. You're gaining muscle. But I, at the right. same time, like I, I'm not doing a weight loss challenge here or a weight gain challenge. I'm just trying to maintain where I'm at. And eventually, doing no cardio for three months really caught up to me. So now. Most people start their, like, quote-unquote diet. I wouldn't really call it a diet. I'd just call it, like, eating sensibly again. But I spent a good yeah. part of, like, six weeks. You know, my wife and I just ended up, like, we were so burnt out by the end of the day. Uh, her from dealing with the two kids at home because daycare got shut down for a while. My son had a runny nose. He had to be home for, like, a week and a half until that all cleared up. So she's taking care of the two kids while I'm at work. So I'm getting up at, like, 4.30, taking care of the kids, going to work and, like, waking her up at, like, I don't know, 8, 8.30, so she can take care of the right. kids all day. I end up working till like 6, 7 after the kids are down. And by that time, we go home. It's like, let's just order food and like- Yeah, and you're, sp- you're, you're door dashing? And, yeah, and, for and sure. Sp- and split a bottle of wine because this is just horrible. So we did that for about six weeks. So it was one of the better six weeks, like eating-wise, like richness-wise, I can remember in a while. How fun was it the two weeks you were like bulking up? Oh, it was great because I I stopped exercising at all. Like, didn't didn't do the uh, didn't do uh, my exercise bike. Didn't lift any weights. Uh, I mean, I did walk the dogs, but you know that's not um, too crazy. But I I just ate whatever. Uh, so that part was fun. Like that that part um, pretty great. And but but kitchen though, he he like he had it down to a science. He was like, oh, I'm gonna gain you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to gain like eight pounds of water weight in like three days. So he, he definitely got me there. Um, so I mean, props to him there, but the, the getting fat part was pretty awesome. So I weighed in on like Christmas day and you're saying splurged on Christmas as everyone does, but instead of using like January 2nd as the day to kind of get back on track, I used December 26th. I actually feel a lot better now. I felt horrible. Uh, on Christmas Day, just being up early yeah. with the kids, opening the gifts, because they don't quite understand Christmas yet. They're a bit too young. Although my oldest son really enjoys just opening boxes. I actually told my wife, we should have just got him like 30 empty boxes. Is That would have been like his ultimate Christmas at that point. But I had a giant breakfast on Christmas Day. You know, real bacon, because I usually eat turkey bacon or turkey-styled bacon, just, you know, because I, I enjoy the crisp of it all. So like sure. bacon, sausage, hash browns, like a, a true like giant baked beans, a, a true breakfast. And I could not have felt worse by like 2 p.m. that day. I was like, I haven't had this sort of meal in so long. I You forget. It, it's almost like the working out that if you stop working out for like two weeks, I'm surprised you were able to get right back into it so quickly. You almost have to recondition yourself. And now after like three or four days of like eating right again, and it's not like I'm like restricting calories or anything like that. I'm just eating healthier again, not over indulging on anything. It took me like yeah. two or three days to like not be addicted to sodium anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, I still do like, that's actually probably one of the parts of my diet that I could restrict even more would be sodium. Cause I'm doing so many, you know, like veg, like really every meat is just, is just some, some vegetable and then some protein. So I'm still getting, plenty of sodium. Cause I, you know, you're using, you're using salt, you're using, uh, paprika and garlic and you know, all that stuff. So I, I'm still getting plenty of sodium, but I, I tend to miss sugar more. And that was, um, that was like a hard 
the the first week I was like, God, I just want ice cream so bad just because because <laughs> everything has sugar in it, right? And your body is just like you you were giving me so much sugar for so long, and now I'm getting none. You you really have to fight through it. Like you're doing twelve to five intermittent fasting. Like even that, yeah. Like that's a really small window for fasting. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the the eighteen six, but I try and be done by. I try and be done by five. Um, I don't always get there. And like a couple of times we've, we've gone over to my girlfriend's family's house and like eaten at like six 30 or whatever. And, but, and I guess, you know, one thing though, I will say is, uh, is that I do enjoy about being on a, like a carbohydrate restriction diet is like, I can just have a steak for dinner and it's like, you know, it's like 800 calories. Um, and as long as I have like a reasonable lunch, I'll still be under like 1500, 1600 for the day. And, um, your, your, your body just runs so much more efficiently on protein. Uh, cause I did intermittent fasting for probably about a year and a half. I gave it up right around the time that we had our second son. Just, you had a kid. It, yeah. it was just, I was up at so many weird times. And that's sort of the thing about football season too, that yep. I, I work such odd times every single day. It's not consistent. It's not like I come in like during golf season. Uh, and even now, like now that you know, the, the grind of NFL is over, that I'm not up late on Monday nights doing rankings anymore and then have to shoot a show on Tuesday morning, shoot another one Tuesday afternoon, shoot another one Tuesday evening to kind of get ahead for the week. And then my Wednesday is, you know, I'm filming between 11 and 8 kind of thing. Like I can get a bit more of a balance and i feel like when you have some structure i know not not everyone is structured I'm a, i try to be as structured as possible to be as efficient as possible but it just allows me to plan everything out that i think that once i get back on a regular schedule that i'll just start feeling better again and like do you maybe it's i, I know some people suffer from like sad seasonal affect disorder i think i'm one mm-hmm. of those people um yeah so that that definitely does happen to me to some degree, but I don't know if it's the the lack of sunlight and everything. I literally think it's just because I don't do anything in the winter, which, and obviously it is very exacerbated by all of the conditions uh, in the world right now, though I, you know, I know I just, it is definitely funny that some people are listening to this and they're like, what do you mean? You, you, you can't do anything. Like everything's open. Why don't you just go do it if you want to do it? Um, which I, I think is very funny in, in a, well, kind of in a sad sort of way, but I do get like that in the winter, but it's more of just like a, a hibernation of being, you know, just like completely uh, unable to go outside and do anything because it's so cold. Yes. How cold is it by you right now? It's like 20 degrees outside. It's not as bad as where you are, but it is. It's been a very cold winter for the last two, three weeks. We, we've gotten no snow yet, though. We actually got hit with snow uh, overnight on Christmas Eve. So we woke up on Christmas Day with, you know, three inches of snow. And I think it snowed twice, and that's by far the most. I think cumulatively it's been four inches or so. But we've had a surprisingly mild winter, like I think 20. I think that's like minus four hour in Celsius. I think that's the coldest it's been in any given day. I mean, so that's, that's like pretty, that's like pretty seat. Like, is that, is that normal or is that just an abnormal experience? All the years blend together at this point, but it does feel like the winter has not been as cold over the past five years or so. There's far less snow than I ever remember. Like even today, it's like 32 and it's going to go up to like 38 a little bit later on. Tomorrow's going to be 42 and then it's going to be like 25 the next day. Like I I can handle that. That is no problem. I like, I remember the days of it being like minus 20 Fahrenheit or Celsius, which would be, I don't know, zero Fahrenheit. Like that used to be 
the norm at some point, and it's it just no longer. So I, I kind of enjoy that aspect to it, that it's not as cold as it once was. But you say, like, everything's open where you are. Uh, it, everything has, yeah. has not been open here in Toronto since, I want to say, three days before Halloween. <laughs> so just, just full, like... I'm pretty sure in most places around me, you can even go inside and go have dinner places. You cannot do that here. Yeah. Um, So I think it's in St. Louis city. You can go in, but I live in the County. So I don't think I, but I'd have to drive like 15 minutes and then I could go inside and go have dinner somewhere if I wanted. But yeah. Well, there was a really, there was a really weird restriction here. So as of you guys don't have boxing day, do you? That always blows my mind just because it's something that I've grown up with. And I think that all Commonwealth countries have it. Like, December- do you know? Do you know what Boxing Day is? I have no idea. It is from when the rich families in Britain used to like give their servants like leftovers from from the day before. They would box up the big meal from Christmas and like give the leftovers to their servants. Generous, because they could have just fed the dogs with that. They could have. Yeah, I didn't know that until this year, and a buddy from Britain told me that, and it, it blew my mind that that was. But I mean, I guess that's like Thanksgiving being a tradition here, which is, it's just very random. Thanksgiving is a thing here as well. It's just a, six weeks earlier than your guys' Thanksgiving. But yeah, December twenty sixth is Boxing Day, and I say it on the show all the time. And I'm pretty good about not mixing Canadianisms as much with Americanisms, but that's just one that completely went over my head. I I didn't realize that wasn't a thing in the United States. So what's weird is I actually have known and like not observed, but like relatively understood what boxing day is because boxing day is huge in European soccer. Like that, like boxing day for European soccer is like Thanksgiving football in America. It's like a huge day where everyone watches it on, you know, everyone watches it on TV and everything. Um, So I I do I've like been roughly aware of it basically. It's a big thing here because the World Junior Hockey Championship starts, which is my least favorite sporting event of the year. It is the yeah, most... I bet, and, but I bet people go crazy for it there. Oh my god, it is out of this world. Like if and Canada, I think, is the only country in the world that takes it seriously, and Canadians themselves take it seriously. But if people don't know, the World Junior Hockey Championship is like a, a World Cup style tournament. For guys, I think it's between, but but for kids, but it, it's between sixteen and nineteen or sixteen and eighteen. I think think that's the age range, and you should see like the level of seriousness it's given. Just because it's so hyped up, like on TSN or ESPN, like they own the tournament. It's a huge. It's almost like how they pump up curling in the CFL because they own that property, so they have all the rights for it. They do all the broadcasting. They make it seem like it's a really big deal. But if Canada doesn't win or just even doesn't play up to expectation i think they beat like i don't know switzerland or germany or something like 18 to 2 the other day had they have won like 5 to 3 there would have been like grown people in canada tweeting or sending facebook messages to these like 16 year olds like to go kill themselves like it's nuts yeah i saw i saw our buddy uh slim cliffy tweeting about that the other day does is feinberg get into it does he care about the world juniors is he canadian enough no he's just not a big hockey guy most of the people i know aren't big hockey people i'm not not sure why that is what about what about tim no not really doesn't care that's interesting i would i i feel like he's more canadian than you like in terms of like being into canadian stuff oh he's very into it but um it was the thing that i really enjoyed till i was like 20 
And then they're like, oh, this is children's hockey. <laughs> yeah, I used to really, I used to really enjoy watching hockey um, with my dad. He really, because uh, he grew up in Wisconsin, so he really liked hockey and he played, you know, junior hockey and everything. But you know, kind of when you, I think you and I have talked about this before. But just as you get older, you have to, you can't follow every sport. You can't, you can't fall like you can't literally do everything. Um, and hockey and college basketball were the first two sports for me to just be like, I can't. I have no room for this in my life anymore. I was I, I gave up hockey really following it intensely, probably in college. But when I stopped playing hockey, I think at 14 or 15, I, I stopped playing hockey and started playing football instead. Like I only had time to do one of them. And that's really when I started getting out of hockey in that regard. Um, but you know, the, the amount of people that like it just I get I, I mean, I don't understand. It's like Jeff with the Chargers and Tim with the Jets. Like I just don't get caring about a team that a team much. That much? I, I just yeah. completely do not understand that way of thinking. It's just not me. I know most people have that in them to have a rooting interest in a weird third party that you, know, you picked a sweater when you were four years old and it affects your life when you're 35. That I find that really strange, especially when you're not from that city and don't have a community around it. But hey, whatever makes people happy, although it seems to make no one happy and only leads to anger and frustration and sadness for most people all of the time. It just rooting for like, it, that's the one thing I don't understand about college football either. Like, a, it's like minor league football. It's essentially kids playing football. And and only five teams are uh, eligible to win ever for the rest of time. And if you didn't go to that college, like what do you, if you're not gambling on it, what do you care? Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. So so that's funny though is I my whole life wanted to go to Oklahoma University. It's where, you know, uh my my whole family went there. Um watched Oklahoma football for as long as possible. It's where I wanted to go. And basically they didn't offer me a scholarship for what I was getting scholarship offers for in college, but K-State gave me a huge scholarship, like paid like basically half of my tuition and books for the time that I was there. So I went there, but I, I, I never cared about K-State football, but I still watch Oklahoma football, you know, to this day, I'm literally drinking out of an Oklahoma Sooners coffee mug right now. Um, but it is, it is it, like, I see what you're saying. It is very weird, but I have that allegiance myself in a way that I can't really explain. Is it a nostalgia thing because you grew up with it? It reminds you of 100%, being a kid? 1, 1 million percent. It's, it's the, it's the you know, nostalgia impulse of like, yeah, I remember, I remember when they won um, the, the championship when I was 10. Uh, who, was yeah, their, I remember. who was their quarterback? White? What was his name? No, he was, he was after Josh Heupel. He, Jason White, he won the Heisman, but That's he right. never... Uh, they never won a national championship with him, but Heupel is now a coach. He is um, UCF's coach. UCF, the team that was undefeated two yes. years ago. It's weird yes. when you stop following, like where I cover golf and football, like full, full time. You have an intricate knowledge of week to week, everything that kind of happens. Certain things right. get ingrained in your memory. But when it comes to the other sports, there are things that you remember but you're not exactly sure the time frame in which they happened in anymore. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like I don't know who won the Stanley Cup this year. Was, um, it, was it St. Louis? No, that was two years ago. Okay, I just remember the they Stan won at some point. 2020 NHL Stanley Cup. Let's each take a guess. So you take your guess. I know it wasn't a Canadian team. I know it wasn't an original six team. I'm going to say the Lightning. Okay, I am also going to guess the Lightning, which would be. Correct. All right. There we go. There is such an advantage yeah. in hockey 
to the Florida teams, to the Texas teams, I would even say Nashville and like Southern California, it, A, you can take a bit of a pay cut to play in Florida for either Tampa or the Panthers. Yeah. Just because there's no state tax. And B, no one gives a flying fuck about you there. It must be the greatest thing in the world. I can see why people don't want to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It would be the worst. And I, I yeah, don't, you I couldn't go anywhere. I can't think of anything in North American sports. What, what would be, because like the Raptors kind of have it like on easy street up here. Like they're easy, easily recognizable because they're gigantic individuals. They're all like seven feet tall. But at the same time, there's a passionate fan base for the Raptors. They sell out every game, but it's nowhere near the popularity of the Maple Leafs who have been shitty for like 50 years. I, I, guess I mean, if you are, if you are a major market baseball player, you probably don't get recognized anywhere. Like I, Mike Trout Yan- Yankees can would. just, Yankees, yes. Yankees would, and probably Red Sox players, I would guess as well. But like Mike Trout, who is maybe the best baseball player ever, um, can just like go out to dinner and not get bothered. He is an, a non-recognizable face and no one watches baseball. Baseball is a local sport, really. Um, and these guys just don't get recognized. I mean, even Royals players, um, when I lived, when I lived in Kansas City, like Royals players would be out and about. You'd see them, you know, at, at the grocery store or whatever, and no, no one would really bother them. Football player, I guess Patrick Mahomes would be a different story, but most he can't, he can't, he can't go anywhere. There is a, a there is a really funny story though about he he and his um I guess now fiance Brittany they were out to dinner somewhere nice in Kansas City, like somewhere on the plaza or whatever, and no one went up and talked to them for the entire meal. And Mahomes paid everyone's bill, paid paid for everyone's dinner because he and his his uh, girlfriend didn't get bothered while they were eating. That's nice. He seems like a good dude. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's like the the easiest guy to um. The, he's like the easiest guy to root for ever. I'm trying to think of who else would be recognizable on the Chiefs. I guess people would recognize Tyree Kill and probably Travis Kelsey. But other than that, like, I, most I, Chiefs I bothered. Probably, you bothered him. <laughs> I bothered Travis Kelsey out at dinner once. I did an interview with Travis Kelsey on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and he couldn't have been in, like a cooler guy. No, he's so cool, and he um he does a ton of work with charity stuff in Kansas City too. He like uh, donates a lot of money to STEM schools in Kansas City, and so I mean, yeah, he's he's like the best ever. Are he st- follows me on Twitter actually. Are, are STEM schools uh, schools for babies who were stem cell babies? No, it stands for something: uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, it's like, it's like, I think it's like a kind of alternative education. I don't really understand it. And I'm sure someone listening to this has like some criticism of STEM schools and thinks they're bad for whatever reason. But I just know that that's something he's passionate about. That does sound, well, if that's the acronym and those are the things, it sounds like it's an actual education rather than like most schools. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of things I remember, like flashing memories of high school, being like, "That was just absolutely fucking useless." Like, why? Why did was that? Why was any time spent on this? It's strange. Uh, we had home ec in grades. Yeah, we had that in grades. I want to say seven, eight, and nine. So junior high for us, because high school where I was was ten, eleven, and twelve. But it was only for people who weren't in band class, and I, I'm not musical in the slightest, so I didn't. Ne- I never took band. So if you weren't in band when like your class, your homeroom class would go to band, which made up like I don't know, sixty percent of the class. The other forty percent would either do like tech ed, which was woodworking, or home ec, which was like cooking. And I would say it's the most useful thing I've ever taken in my life. 
You taught me how to cook. Yeah, I mean, I I remember learning how to sew in home ec and being like, this is a very useful skill. Um, and then just like learn like the very basics of cooking, like learning what like vanilla does in in baking and learning, you know, what what salt does while you're cooking or, and just like very basic shit like that, um, that like truly you, you would never really learn um, until you figured it out on your own, I guess, if your parents weren't good cooks. Or you could just YouTube it. They they have a lot. Yeah. Of now now yeah. What 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 can you not learn from YouTube now? Really? But you'd be surprised how few people actually take that route. Like I remember, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. The window in my car just broke. It wouldn't go up or down anymore, and I just I YouTubed it. Like how do I take apart my door and fix my window? And I was able to find it then. You know we're. 13 years later now that I can't imagine that there's a, there's a tutorial for everything. Isn't there? Yeah. I, uh, that's, that's actually funny. Um, I had to take my car door apart and, uh, fix the handle from inside, like a plastic part on the handle broke off. And I learned, I learned how to do it from, from YouTube as well. Just like watching someone do it on my exact car. Like that's the other thing. Um, it's, it's literally exactly your car that you can find someone doing it on, on YouTube. That's amazing. It was not the case back in the day. And I had a Saturn, which was really shitty car held up must say. And it was a, it was a standard. I miss driving a standard. Sometimes I wish my car could fluctuate back and forth between, between being an automatic and a standard. Right. Yeah. But I, I've never, I've never driven, um, uh, like a, a manual transmission. Oh, so you can't drive a car. No, you can just drive whatever my car is. The the, the yeah, I can't drive stick. It's too bad. Is it is it though? Like, yeah. does it even matter? Does it does it really make a difference in how you drive? Driving a stick is actually fun. Like, there's just it keeps you engaged in driving instead of being like, yeah, I'll just like drive while I'm on my phone half the time, which I assume most people do. I do not do that, but I know a lot of I I I pass people on the roads and they're on their phones all t- the entire time. It's crazy. I just, uh, I just basically don't drive. Like I was, I was thinking earlier, like I haven't started my car in like a month. Really? Probably not good for it. Yeah. You probably should go out and turn it on. Yeah, I probably should. My, my, I have my same car that I drove in college, but my, uh, my girlfriend has a, I don't know, like a 2019 Honda Civic or whatever. So if I need to go make a grocery run or do whatever, I just always take her car. We didn't have a car for the longest time. When I moved from Halifax to Toronto 12 years ago, I got rid of my car, my shitty Saturn. Uh, wasn't worth much, as it was, I think, in 1998. And I lived in Toronto. Like, what was the point of having a car? I lived downtown, and I could subway everywhere. Then I moved to New York, and then obviously I didn't need to have a car there. And then I moved back. And I also couldn't afford a car, so there was that behind it, too. But it was easy to get around. Then Uber came, and it was like... Jesus, why would I ever need a car? But once my wife and I uh, found out that she was pregnant, we were like, we probably do need a car simply for going to the hospital, taking the baby to appointments, because putting a baby seat in the back of an Uber would be super weird. But having it during the pandemic has been a godsend, because I don't know how else we'd really get around. I don't mind taking Ubers, but my wife uh, is very concerned about me taking Ubers. Yeah, I have not taken an Uber, but... Also, I don't, I don't drink, so I don't, uh, I don't, I, I'm very rarely in a spot where, where I need to. I would imagine though, like more people in Toronto don't have a car than do, right? 
I think if you live in the downtown core, you probably don't. I, I just don't see a reason to have one. And parking yeah, is I mean, ridiculous. And, and, and it, yeah, it's got to cost so much. Like, what does it cost to keep your car parked in your apartment building for a month? Like 500 bucks, probably. Uh, we own our spot, so it's not so bad. But we could rent it out for 200 bucks a month. And we don't, like, we're not downtown downtown. We're in more of the university area, uh, a bit uptown. Just in between, basically in between downtown and midtown, there's like a nice little range. So it's not like a lot of people are going to work in our area. When I lived downtown, when Cody and I lived together... Back when I moved, first moved back up from the states, that we rented, at, we neither of us had a car, but we had a parking spot that came along with our apartment that we rented with your place, and we charged four hundred bucks a month for it. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good work if you can get it right. The hardest part was advertising it. Shockingly enough, there there were so many people that want these spots, but like, how do you go about putting? Like, you could put a flyer in. I was gonna say you. Uh, or put it in a like a the newspaper, right? That was something that people did back then. Well, this was 2014, so no, I ended up posting oh, it. Oh, okay, to, so to that was Gigi or Craigslist. <laughs> oh yeah, Craigslist. You can sell anything on Craigslist, literally anything. I guess now you'd use Facebook Marketplace. What do people use to swap? I actually bought a set of weights and chairs off Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, and I you see like watching TV like advertisements for like the the sell your junk stuff like the you know let i think one is called let go and there's another one because you know just people have so much crap we we like to buy we like to buy things to make ourselves feel better but then you know we realize uh you know a couple of months later that we don't need it anymore and then so people just have all this crap do you hoard are you a hoarder do you have a lot of old stuff around uh probably i mean maybe like relative to a baseline person i have more old stuff but i also don't have like that much stuff. Like I throw plenty of stuff away. That makes sense. My wife, I have, I have my... lots of, I have lots of books and lots of like clothes, like lots and lots of clothes. I really pared everything down. I no longer have any DVDs because I have no, oh, yeah, I don't have any DVDs. I, I used to have like 300 DVDs and I actually took them all to the States with me and brought them back uh, in a giant hockey bag. But after moving, I, I believe I ended up moving 17 times in five years or six years or something like that. I really Ugh. got, I really got good at culling down everything I needed. So I, I haven't worn this shirt in six months. Like it's gone. I'll donate it to charity. I have X amount of books. Like I'll, I'll donate the books. I'm never going to read again that I really, I, I, at one point I could have packed my entire life into a bag and that would have been fine. My wife is getting better at it now. Cause she was a pretty big hoarder. But now that we have no room, because we thought we'd be moved by now, uh, and we have two kids and they have so many toys, like we had to ask people, like our family, like wanted to, you know, it's the, the first two grandchildren in the family. They wanted to send like, oh, we'll right. send some clothes. We'll send some like, we have no, we literally have nowhere to put this We have this no stuff. space. Like, yeah. It's causing us problems. And the kids don't fucking know. Yeah, they don't give a shit. Like, what's what's the difference? The kid likes boxes. He doesn't, he doesn't need new toys. He just wants boxes. Loves boxes. Yeah, I, so I, that's probably what I'm bad at is like, I, I probably still have clothes that I haven't worn in, in two years sitting in my closet somewhere right now. I'm sure I do. Gotta Cause I might it. wear it someday. Got to get rid of it. Well, I have lots of stuff like jerseys and, you know, like, uh, like, like dress up shirts and stuff, you know, that really I've had no occasion to wear. I could see keeping the shirts around i got rid of some old suits from like 15 years ago so why do i still have they don't even fit me uh, i'm sure someone could right. 
it's not like I'm throwing them in the garbage. Donate them somewhere, like bring them in. Uh, my wife handles that. I just put it in a garbage, like a garbage bag. Be like, bring this somewhere. I don't, I don't know where to bring it. She's up on all this stuff and gets kids out of the house too. But the jerseys, I used to have so many jerseys. And I, I get in a lot of trouble for this take because Jeff yells at me and Tim yells at me and like half my friends yell at me. But like once I became an adult, where am I going to wear these jerseys? Uh, yeah, you, you events, can wear them. It. You can wear them to the game. Watching you can the wear game. them to the bar if you're watching the game. And then... I will wear them like on like shows and stuff like on the swole cast or something, but like, no, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna wear a Jersey um, for like a casual, uh, you know, night on the town. And, and really the only jerseys you can get away with wearing um, in, in a non game setting are baseball jerseys, like football jerseys and basketball jerseys look ridiculous. I was going to say basketball jerseys on a really hot day in the summer. Like instead of wearing a tank, you wear a basketball. Yeah, to, to the pool or whatever. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you can. I think that's fine. It's not like, hey, it's work on Tuesday. Let me let me fire up this this Kansas City Chiefs jersey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I have two Patrick Mahomes jerseys and they're probably the only jerseys that I've put on literally this calendar year, I would guess. I would feel like that's a cold take to some people. Some people love wearing jerseys. I just find it really bizarre. They also, um, like the, the fatter and out of shape you are, the worse the Jersey looks on you. So like, if you just are, if you're just a slob and you're wearing like your, your, your Kevin Durant, uh, you know, <laughs> warrior Jersey, like it just, it, it looks preposterous. This is true. Basketball jerseys are really tough to pull off. If you're, especially if you're sh- not only like dumpy looking, but if you're short basketball jerseys yeah, are mean, not made for short people. No, they're really not. And that's something that I've had to uh, definitely come to terms. Cause like when I was in college, I wore basketball jerseys all the time, but I was in shape then. And then, you know, as you, as you lose the shape, the, uh, the basketball Jersey looks dumber and dumber. What do you think that we're going to remember 2024 Davis? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think that you, I think for Americans, a lot of us will remember the election. Um, I think a lot of people will remember someone, someone they know dying or, or getting very sick with the coronavirus. Um, and then some people will probably just be like, you know, I, was, I, I, uh, I didn't go to work for a month and I, I start, or I started working from home and uh, then their life really was not all that different, you know, cause so many people are still hanging out with their friends, still, still doing whatever. So I, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see like the, the collective memory, um, based on what your experience was. I think that the election is going to get tied into coronavirus when we remember this 10 years from now. It's all going to feel like yeah. part of the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, if, if, well, if there's no, no coronavirus... Trump wins in a landslide. Trump wins. Oh, but yeah, it's, Trump not even, wins. it's not even close Trump wins. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Considering he no, almost no won disagreement. Anyway. <laughs> well, he didn't. He had his ass kicked. Pretty, pretty good. I, I, what, I don't know. What, what were you seeing that you think made it close? Well, there are between Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia, like those states were close. It's not like, um, it's not like they I were think, complete blowouts. I think they were close. I think they were close ish. I don't think, I don't think, I, I think that, um, the narrative of, um, the way that the votes were counted played into that because Pennsylvania was not close. Well, Pennsylvania he, was not close at all. Well, Biden ended up winning by what? One and a half percent in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But that one and a half percent was like 800,000 votes. Sure. But that's essentially the margin of swing people who probably turned on Trump because of coronavirus. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to say because I don't know or am really in contact with anyone who voted for Trump in 2016. So it's hard for me to to get inside the mind there. My my guess would be that there was a giant turnout from not from Democrat leaning 2016 voters who were like, I'm not fucking voting for Hillary, but really hate Donald Trump. And then um, a fair amount, like what, what percentage of people do you think voted for Trump in 2016 and voted for Biden in 2020? Like I, I'd be very curious if, if that information exists. Probably 10 to 15% switched, I'd guess. You, you think that many? Yeah, probably. That seems to be... Well, maybe not, because Trump's still got a ton of votes. Yeah, I mean, relatively speaking to the the number... Like, I he got more of the popular vote than... Like, he lost the popular vote by 10 million or something. Is that what it turned and, out to be, 10 million? Yeah, I, well, let me look it up right now. I thought it was popular like six, six or seven, US. which is a lot. Um, let me see if I can. Okay, the the popular vote tracker from the uh Cook political 74 million for Trump, about 82 million for Biden. And that's the most on either side ever between the like it, Trump 74 is the most ever besides Biden, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because cuz I think it was 73 million for Trump uh or 73 million for Hillary and 2016 that sounds right to me well and you have to remember that it was rigged so like 40 million of those biden votes don't even exist dead people or hackers or something. oh right yeah i forgot the dominion voting machines <laughs> I can't how how, stu- how stupid would you have to be to believe like what scale of stupid would you have to be to believe that an american election was stolen i don't think it's inconceivable that people would try to steal an american election but to actually get away with it on it, it, it's comes I, back. I think you could steal a local election. I think you could steal like a may like a mayorship in the states. That seems doable. In a certain county, especially a smaller one, maybe that's a bit more rural and spread out. I I mean I wouldn't I mean some of them probably are and no one ever looks into it. Sure. No one ever notices. But to have a coordinated effort on this scale it's always been sort of the thing where people talk about, oh, you know, 9-11 is an inside job. It's like people wouldn't, people can't keep a secret for two seconds ever. Like literally every governmental secret gets leaked immediately. Exactly. So you, a coordinated effort that would take what, at least, I don't know, 10,000 people to be quiet, no one to ever break silence on it, never came out. That it, it just too, and, and maybe that's that's my my thinking that it's you know it's too big to actually have happened there's too many people involved that maybe everyone's in on it and you and i are just in the dark it's possible um <laughs> so, so I, I i so the the thing is is that it is it was a brilliant strategy from from the top level to be like this is cheating but they I, I don't know it's like i think maybe putting giuliani in charge of it was a mistake no. by trump's people be because because they these lawsuits were getting laughed out of court. You know what I mean? Like they they didn't even find a way to get their case heard. Like it 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 was it it became like a joke. Like it it was scary at first, right? So you're we're, we're scared that the American democratic process is getting um subverted and then it became hilarious because Rudy Giuliani is so inept and but I I I really do think that probably some irreversible damage has been done. 
to the American political process at this point. I'm curious to see what the Biden administration actually looks like and what the political discourse looks like over this time. Does it go back to politics as, you know, quote unquote, normal as we remember it? I mean, the thing is, is, is Trump really was a populist and it's not like, um, you know, it's not like Joe Biden is, uh, you know, some friend of the common man, like the, the, by and large, the Biden administration is going to do a lot of the things the Trump administration did just a little bit less um, racistly. And uh, <laughs> I think that the, the House Democrats will be able to accomplish a little bit more than the House Democrats were under Trump's administration. One of the first times we ever did this show, I think that I brought up to you that the only person that could beat Trump from the Democratic side was going to be Biden. And this was like two or three years ago just because he would be the only one that could galvanize enough people from both sides to be like, yeah, you know what? It's not that different, uh, but it's slightly better. So let's go with that. That's, that's enough of the shift that I'm curious to see what happens in 2024. Cause I doubt Biden runs again. And Trump runs again, man. Trump's not running again. That's not happening. He's he'll probably be dead in four years. Wait, hey, let us pray. Let us pray. Buddy. No, I, well, you don't wish death upon anyone. Come on now. I mean, I, I would certainly not be sad if Donald Trump died. That, that's why people don't like you super leftists. You're mean. You're mean people. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like bro, if you're a criminal, I, I'm not going to feel bad for you. Like, if Mitch, McCon- if Mitch McConnell died, I also would not be sad. I think you should uh, have more, f- not necessarily more faith in people, but have more faith in life. You should just pray that people get better. Uh, sure. You know what? It, I, I will say this. It would make me more happy if Mitch McConnell had a turn of faith and became a good human being than if he died as a bad person. Like if you if you got to if I got to choose between Mitch McConnell um, is executed for treason or Mitch McConnell changes his tune and becomes a good person and I have the sole power of those outcomes, I would choose Mitch McConnell to become a good person. Has Mitch McConnell had an act of treason uh, that i'm not aware of uh i mean treason is sort of one of those things where where people use it for their own political purposes but like like you're doing right now (laughs) exactly it's exactly what i'm doing right now but just as you and i are um coming to air today he uh basically single-handedly struck down because he's the he's the majority leader he struck down he blocked the senate vote on two thousand dollar covid relief checks um even though Trump wants it, the Republicans want it, and the Democrats want it. That strikes me as strange. That means someone doesn't want it besides him. That's why he's posturing like this, right? Yeah, I mean, or maybe you know, maybe he thinks he can get some, he can curry some favor or get some promise for himself if he figures it out. I don't know. I mean, I I think that he is um, basically the the worst. He's about the worst politician I think we'll ever see in my lifetime, if I had to guess. I guess Strom Thurmond isn't around anymore, so. Maybe he does take the cake. I don't know. There are some. No, that's actually not. He seems like the worst because he has so much power. There are some of these like weird congressional like Trump people that are just. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's okay. You're 100 percent right. You know, if um, what who's the who's the guy in the the wheelchair? Um, He is like, oh, man. Okay, let me see if I can find this. I got to find his name now. Uh, Wheelchair GOP representative. There's always one guy forget what his name is i think he's in connecticut but if trump Mad- ever- madison cawthorn he is like one of the worst people alive 
there there is some guy i think he ran for congress in connecticut i don't think he won but he always shows up as the first reply underneath trump is like way to go boss it's like the fake cuss burners that always compliment him every time that he tweets and i don't know who this guy is but he just seems like the biggest piece of shit in the world yeah i mean there are there are many of them and and let me be clear though i need to make this very clear there are also like nancy pelosi is not a good person there are many there are many democratic politicians who are roughly as corrupt as um the republicans like i it's it's not that i but i i'm not i'm not both sidesing this um it's just that too many of the democrats are in the middle and they they don't care you know they're they're not in they're not in the game to make their districts or their states better they're in the game for their own gain at this point because they've been there for so long so who runs for the democrats in 2024 it's not biden does that mean it, i doubt harris gets elected like through the primaries okay 2024 democrat presidential nominee odds i would say it's probably um, Bi- i would say if you find it let me try to guess this i'd say biden's probably still the favorite at this moment biden is not the favorite but i i'm i mean you know these are very illiquid markets yes um i would guess aoc is top five harris is top five bernie is probably somehow top five despite the fact that he'll be 95 years old like, i don't think so, you're, you're not winning with any of those people the odds I'm looking at right now have Kamala as the favorite, then Biden, then Yang, then AOC, then Michelle Obama, then Stacey Abrams, then Mayor Pete, then Bernie, then Beto, then you know a bunch of a bunch of nobodies. Beto, the thing is, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, that he that guy is not a presidential candidate. So the thing is, I think the idea of oh X Y and Z can't win the presidency. Like I I don't buy that stuff at all anymore because Donald Trump won. Um, so like the, the, the margins of error in terms of predicting, uh, these candidates in these markets, I think is just so much wider than we ever imagined. I would tend to agree. I would, and maybe it's just my personal bias speaking on this. Like I like Andrew Yang the best. He seems like a real person, which is nice. Although he's probably not, but he seems to have, at least to me and like my political stance, the, the best mix of all worlds that he seems to be a fairly compassionate individual, but he's seems to have a semblance of how economies work yeah i i like yang um i'm you know i'm not on board with 100 percent of his stuff i think is there anyone probably, you is there anyone you would be 100 percent on board with though no one's like that uh no i mean the the person whose domestic policies i agree with the most would be aoc but i i actually know almost nothing about um what she would have planned for foreign policy and that's actually the thing that presidents have the most impact on at the end of the day. And it's funny when you look back at like Trump's foreign policy, would you consider he was good, man? I was going to say, would good. you would you consider him a success in the foreign policy department? Uh, yeah, because the the thing that I base foreign policy on more or less is how many how many wars did you start and how many wars did you end? And and the kindest thing I will say about the Donald Trump presidency is he did not. Um, actively try and start wars. No, it seemed like winning a Nobel Peace Prize was so important to him that he tried to do as much as possible in the the foreign arena to like try to make peace with someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't I you know I don't have um, an explanation for why he chose to go that route, right? Like, I have no idea why he wasn't more 
war hungry because it kind of seems to fit his mentality but he was right? never but even in the primaries in 2015 and 2016 he was like the anti not necessarily the anti-war candidate but compared to the rest of the republicans and especially hillary like he was not hawkish whatsoever yeah which which by the way is something that i've all like is is probably the worst part of the probably the worst part of the democratic platform um in terms of how they've been uh, forward facing for the last 10 years is they've actually been super hawkish and all their all their big time politicians have been super war hawks right like obama was a, a giant war president what kind of president is biden going to be is he going to be like an empty suit president like is he jimmy carter uh i think he'll probably be i think he'll be a very solid president i think that um, unfortunately we will probably continue to just spend absurd amount of money on our military. My, my hope for the Biden presidency is that the house Democrats are able to get some work done and that he doesn't impede them. And that there is, uh, the, the big, the best thing he could accomplish would be something with our healthcare system, right? Just anything to reduce the cost and to make it easier for people to get help when they're sick. I mean, if he if he does that, I will mostly forgive um, everything else. He is sure to fuck up. I still don't understand the American healthcare system whatsoever, buddy. Buddy, no one does. Well, that's not true. There are some people who understand it and want it to be this way. Who? I I I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I I can't actually figure it out because I just do not understand how it works. Like, if you have the flu tomorrow. Can mm-hmm. you go see a doctor without paying? Uh, no, no. You'd have to at least pay a little bit. Hmm. You would have to pay like it, even, and I have health insurance, right? Through work. I would still have to go to the doctor and pay like 60 bucks, probably. Interesting. And you have health insurance. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So like, like you don't have, like, if I said the word deductible to you as it pertains to, to health insurance, you just have, have no idea. Uh, there are deductibles for some prescription stuff. Uh, if you're not on a plan for that deductible stuff for dental costs, if you don't have a dental plan, but in terms of like health care, like you are sick. No, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's literally criminal. Like it is, it, it, it's, it's absolutely inexcusable and it just has no place in, you know, uh, a just and advanced society, but you know, what are you going to do? At the same time, I do pay into it through my taxes. That That's a large part of our tax system. <laughs> well, I mean, America, like that, that's also a crazy thing is, is um, like middle-class Americans pay a good chunk in taxes like far more than they realize i think and maybe so but they pay like what half to a quarter of what the rest of the industrial world pays um my guess would be it's probably about a quarter but again um you know i don't i don't for real know but uh, but in terms of like proportion of income uh, i mean obviously it's well i mean the the big dirty secret is that the federal government defunds the IRS more and more every year so they can't audit the super rich and the super rich can basically cheat on their taxes. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? Become super rich, then you don't have to pay your taxes. That is the goal. That's the that American the, dream I mean, right there. <laughs> yeah, that you are literally describing the American dream. That's true. When we 
I think they're a first Corona cast back in March when all this started. I think I had made mention that if I was 23 and in college and, you know, wasn't married, didn't have a girlfriend, like I, I was away from my family. I was essentially by myself in a big city that I probably wouldn't have taken it very seriously. And I'm kind of, kind of thinking back to that now that I probably would have passed the point where I wouldn't have, like I would stop taking it seriously too. If I wasn't encountering other people, outside of people my own age and going to places like that, I probably wouldn't have taken it all that seriously. Yeah. Like I, I, I sort of, I, I don't actually even really blame people at this point who are like, you know, whatever, man, I'm going out, I'm going out to dinner. I'm going to the bar. Like if you don't know anyone who's had it, who's died of it, um, you know, if you like, I, I don't, I, can, I don't think I can really be mad at people anymore Partly because just as a society, you know, American society is just not serious. We don't take things seriously. We don't respond to any threat really in the proper way. Like it, it's just a total, um, it's a joke. Um, so I, I can't be mad at individuals who choose not to feel the responsibility for everyone around them because that's not even a core value that American children are raised with to begin with. I, I think I told you this the other day, like we've been... Well, I, I said we've been in lockdown essentially since the end of October, but that's just because Toronto, something called Peel region. I'm not super, despite living here for over a decade, I, I really don't know the geography because I never leave downtown. If I leave downtown, I'm traveling somewhere on an airplane, which I can't do anymore. Right. But we were in lockdown because we were a hotspot. That was a hotspot. I believe like Ottawa was a hotspot, like the larger densely populated areas and everywhere else was still open. You could dine indoors. Gyms were open. But that made no sense because people from downtown were just driving to these places to use the gym and to, yep. to, to go eat inside. So now we're on province-wide lockdown, and people are taking it pretty super seriously in terms of, uh, at least I think so. I'm not really going anywhere. It doesn't seem like anyone I know is going anywhere because there's, where are you going to go? There's nowhere open. But comparing our cases to, like, Michigan, which is right below us, like, we're at, like, one-sixth of the cases per day, and we're on, like, red alert. It doesn't seem like anything... I know a few people in Michigan. They're like, eh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Right. It's yeah, because they don't care. It, it, it's just so weird to see the contrast between that. Like, even... It, it's not that they're... I, mean, I think you hear a lot more about, like, anti-mask people than they actually exist. Uh, I think that most people don't really even seem to have that big of a problem with it. But I have not seen anyone without a mask in somewhere, like the grocery store or the drugstore, the places that are still open in ages. Like, it's been a while since I've seen anyone without a mask indoors somewhere. On the street, people don't... I'd say it's, like, half and sure. half. Like, downtown which is still not congested, but more congested than almost anywhere else that you could go. Half the people are kind of wearing masks outside. Half the people aren't. In like my area, no one really does because it's very sparsely populated outside, even on the sidewalk. But to out your, like there's a weird distinction that you can make now that whether you're anti-mask or not, I don't really think that really matters. You might hate wearing a mask, but you do it because that's kind of the thing when you go in places right. that you wear a mask. Yeah. That I think that, it's very telling in some sorts, and maybe this isn't the case in the United States as much as it is up here, or maybe even worldwide, that if you out yourself as an anti-masker, that there's sort of a stigma around that, where you can not wear a mask all you want. As long as you're not, like, vocal about it, no one really seems to care. But as soon as you out yourself as that person, like, people are going to find that 10 years from now and be like, look at this idiot. Whether you're right or wrong, there's that perception around it. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah, the, the, it's only, become... the, the only people that I know that are like open anti-maskers are by far the stupidest people I know. <laughs> yeah, because, well, it's, um, N- Nassim Taleb has made this point. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've read his books or even nope. care who he is, but it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you might like his books. Um, he's kind of a dick on Twitter, but Ooh. he's made the point of basically like, all of the available information we have suggests that not only is this helpful for you not getting the coronavirus, but we have evidence that it's super helpful in you not spreading the coronavirus if you have come in contact with it. Whereas we have no evidence that it's bad for you, that it limits your oxygen intake or anything. And the only argument against it is, is some um, you know perverse interpretation of like personal freedom. And so it, it basically is just a way of saying, like I'm not smart enough to understand this and I am falling for something that someone else has told me, right? That someone else has told me about personal liberty that I don't even really understand. Like it's just outing yourself as a dumbass. Well, that that's, it's not necessarily what the point that you just kind of brought up. Like I get not wanting to wear a mask and how that can infringe on your personal freedoms. I understand that part of it. The part I right. don't understand is that it's so frowned upon at this point that if you were smart and you were an anti-mask person, you wouldn't put it out there into the public because you'd be smart enough not to do that because it would look bad on you. You, you would realize that. Right, yeah. <laughs> it just it just makes you look foolish because no one no one agrees with you. So what? Like, what's the point? I, it seems like there's a lot. What would you say the split is in America? 60-40? Mm, I was going to say 70-30. Like, that's a pretty high percentage. So you can't say no one. That's a lot of people. Well, just a lot of stupid people. But you're you're right though. You're right. It, it's certainly more than no one. It's just it it just blows my mind. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, just because you don't get it doesn't mean you can't understand why other people wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, like I so here's for an example. I'm very sympathetic to there are like some libertarian causes that I'm actually very sympathetic to. Like Bitcoin? right, like like Bitcoin or like personal information harvesting that like big tech companies do and stuff. Like those are things that I'm like libertarians. Uh, I agree with you 100% just could not agree with you more. But then when they, they go into the just anti-science, just like it's, they just lose me entirely, which I'm sure is how many people feel about leftist positions, right? Where they're like, yes, this one thing of like, public health care and take care of people and don't let poor people die on the streets i agree with that but then you know uh uh all sorts of of other issues they're like that's so stupid i can't even engage with it i I think again i we've discussed this before but the the biggest issue with especially like leftist positions is that there's a moral superiority that leftists feel about them that they project onto anyone else that if they if you they don't agree with you oh you're just a horrible person then like we, we can no longer have a conversation like there's no so things get improved incrementally over time because people end up meeting in the middle one way or the other. It's not when was the last time there was a radical shift in any sort of policy to one leaning side? It just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it was it was Obamacare until it it got shut down. Did right? that did that even ever actually happen though? Like, did people have Obamacare? Like, everyone had it. I had Obamacare for four months. How was it? Was it good? I never even had to use it. No, well, that's, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Affordable Care Act did get passed, but it's just been ba- like, you know, since Obama left office, it's been bastardized um, in a lot of different ways and, you know, is nowhere close to what was intended um, originally. 
Do you feel like throughout the course of the pandemic, and I, I don't know what goes on in your real life, uh, because you know, we're internet friends, we, we do, we work in the same industry. We're like work pals, basically, is the way that kind of shapes up. That yeah. in our industry, it doesn't seem like the pandemic really affected that many people. It seemed like a lot of people actually had pretty good 2020s, just based on the industry that we're in, uh, how people work. It's almost all remote work that nothing really changed for a lot of people, except for that one period where there were no sports going on. That Do you find that um, you know, people that you know in your real life have been severely affected by this? Because I have. It's, it's a really weird dichotomy. Uh, when, when I think about the people that I talk to the most, people that I work with, and they're all kind of like riding high, they're you know, flaunting Bitcoin all the time. And there's other people who are just like horribly struggling. It's really weird to kind of balance out. Yeah. So in our very specific niche, that's been true. But like, you know, in the wider sports media world, lots of people lost their jobs. There were massive layoffs at ESPN. Um, at Fox Sports, um, Sports Illustrated basically laid off like what, like 70, 80% of their total staff. Um, you know, guys who have had jobs at Sports Illustrated for 20 years were, were let go. But at the same, I, but, but at the same time, I believe Meanie Garion and I did a show in 2014. Uh, there was like a big round of ESPN layoffs at the time. I think like 127 people got laid off. I, I remember that. Back, yeah. back then, it was like such devastating news. And like when we were kind of talking it through, we couldn't quite figure out how still so many people had jobs at these company at these high salaries. All it took, I mean, at the time, like we were doing stuff remotely at the time, think about how our industry works with better production values and better access to technology and more funding at a place like Fox or a place like ESPN. Why would you ever need all these people? It took a pandemic to figure this out. Well, so your argument is correct from a very high level until you're like, the way I would look at it is like, you know, these companies are generating billions of dollars of profit a year. Like let's, let's keep people employed. Sure. You know but I'm, mean? but I'm sure that's not how they were looking at it. I would think no, that the no, person in charge would be like, how can we cut the most costs? And that yeah. would have been the very easy way to do it. And it never occurred to anyone before. Now I remember I was listening to Simmons podcast not too recently. And he said it took him till the pandemic to figure out they could do podcasts remotely. That blew my mind. Well, Bill Simmons, not a, not a paragon of of business. No uh, success. Wow, well, I mean, the guy just what he made like two hundred million dollars. Well, over the past he is year? he is he is okay. He is incredibly good at securing the bag for himself. That is true. But at the same time, it's not like there was no one working at Grantland or no one working at the Ringer who would have these who could have possibly had these progressive ideas. These that, ideas that were going yeah. on everywhere else in. Like, I just kind of look at fantasy. One of the main reasons that I left fantasy was like, oh, I see the infrastructure of how this could work. It's just how it's being run is ridiculous. Um, if I could do this by myself, and it's taken me some you know, time to raise the capital to do that and secure it for myself, but you can run one of these operations for rather cheaply. And that's not to say that you're not paying people well. You can pay people well. You just don't need to pay as many people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Uh, so, I, But I, I think that the the original point is very interesting where there, there is this, um, you know, this dissonance between the experience that, that I'm having in 2020 versus the experience that many are having. Cause this is like basically the best financial year of my life. Like everything I have done financially has been successful. Best fantasy football year, best DFS year, Bitcoin stocks didn't lose my job. Um, you know, none of that stuff. And that is 
not been the experience of of I would like you know eighty percent of people probably. Well, eighty percent is probably pretty high. There's a lot of people that you hear more about people that you know are going through really tough times, and you hear about people that you know didn't lose their job and are doing fine. You like you don't really hear about those people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Why would I mean, it, why would I, why would anyone write that story? <laughs> For, for a lot of people, things are probably just like boring. Like, you know, they, they just are working from home and there's just like nothing to, to talk about, you know? I wonder, because you know, the big thing now is like, oh my God, like no one's ever going to go back to an office ever again now that people work from home. I don't think that's going to be necessarily true. I think that people will have smaller offices. I don't think that people are going to go in every single day anymore. But there are certain people, and I'm one of those people, like, I can't work from home anymore. I'm used to going into the office. I used to work from home. And I like the idea of going into an office to get work done. That doesn't mean I can't work from home, because I still do. I plug away at certain things. Sometimes I write at home. But I couldn't imagine, like, you, you do all your filming at home. I couldn't imagine doing my filming at home. That'd be weird. Yeah, the, the upstairs is the office, and downstairs is my house. Maybe it's since I had kids. I, I, I don't quite know. That it's just hard to do things at home. Yeah, like not like my my office is my office. We don't do anything else up here other than that. Hmm. Which I think is what you would have to do. Like if you were like also sleeping in your office or bringing your dogs up, like I think it would be totally different. But I think there are just some people, I think our industry itself lends itself to people who would want to work from home because that's how you've had to do it. And if you got into the fantasy or betting content industry, you probably did it by yourself. But a lot of people just aren't geared that way to get themselves self-motivated at home. They need to go in somewhere. Uh, not, not necessarily to say they need like a boss riding them while they're at work, but just having, hey, when I'm here, this is what I do. When I'm at home, this is what I do. There are certain people that need that separation in their lives. I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to go into an office at all ever i mean maybe i'll have to someday but i don't want to i i greatly prefer working from home like i'm a pretty good self-motivator you know i get i get all my stuff done yeah but, um, but most people i don't think that most people are good self-motivators no most people aren't it's it well and it's a learned skill like i wasn't always good at it you know no i understand but that I, but the one thing that we've seen is like i don't think that office like you're gonna see rental spaces go down in price but you and i had talked about before almost like at the beginning of the year that i was planning on moving because i don't need to live mm -hmm. downtown in toronto anymore i can basically live anywhere and do my job as long as i have the right equipment with me and a good internet connection uh but now it seems like i've been looking where i've been trying to move for a year but covid has kept me away from there so i can't go look at houses with my wife or anything like that so it's, it's hard to buy a house when you don't see it first i know some people do it. it's not really my bag but a lot of people have this idea now. So where I'm looking, the housing prices keep going up and up and up. If I had just through, bought a, the roof, if yeah. I just bought a year ago, I would have been in a much better position. Yeah, I mean, because that's a the, a big thing right now is is people are leaving the cities. They don't want to live in the city anymore. They want to live at home. It's it's going on everywhere. I think people will want to move back to the cities once all of this is over, simply because the cities are still where things happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I have lived in big cities for the last uh, six years of my life, and I could take it or leave it. Like, I could move back to a small town, too. It, it, I think both things would be fine by me.
I think a small town would be tough. I've never really lived in a small town. Like, I'm from Halifax, which is a medium-sized Canadian city. Like, I think there's like yeah. 500,000 people there. How many people are in Pittsburgh? Population of Pittsburgh. Uh, I'll bet 2 million. I was going to say 800,000. Oh, wow. I am way off. It's, it's not big, right? No. Wow. 300,000 people. Yeah. So Halifax is, I have always thought of it kind of like, it, it's the most like Boston, the way that it's like laid out because they're, they're built at approximately the same time and they're both East Coast. But I think in terms of like, because I've been to Pittsburgh, it, it just, the size of it reminds me of Halifax. That it's not a huge city, yeah. but it's a big city. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, I'm from a town of 50,000 people, so I consider 300,000 a big city. Now, is 50,000, like, in your town because it was a suburb of a bigger city, or is it, like, standalone No, it's it's, it's self-contained. Yeah, there's there's nothing around it, which which is, I'm sure, not how Pittsburgh is. I'm sure there are, you know, suburbs stretching for miles, yeah, making it, you know, 500,000 or whatever. Yeah, it's like Toronto in that regard. I think there's, like, 3.8 million people in the city, but if you include the suburbs, it's, like, 7 million. Yeah, I, I think that's probably because I, I know in Kansas City, it was like 800,000 in Kansas City proper, but like 2 million if you included all of the uh, surrounding suburbs. Which I think, and that's what Halifax does. Like, I think Halifax proper only has like 250,000 people, but it's not that big, like, big of a city. Everyone kind of lives in the suburbs because it's so small. You can, you can live fuck, 20 miles away from downtown and work downtown. Like the, there's not so many people that the traffic is just, you you, can't, you couldn't do it. It takes you 20 minutes to get there. <laughs> yeah. Are, is there public transport there? Not, there is, but it's not good. They, yeah. ju- they, just, yeah, they just got Uber December 2nd. Oh, well, that's crazy. There's been Uber here forever, but there there's like no um, public transport here in St. Louis. Like there's like one Metro line. There is, it's just a bus system. There's no like rail system. Oh yeah, we have we have buses here. Yeah, so they have buses there, but now they have Uber. But there, I guess there was, it was really hard to break the cab union there. Like the cabs really had a lockdown on it. And I have never been to a place in the world that has worse cabs than Halifax, Nova Scotia. The amount of drinking and driving that was enabled by not ever being able to get a cab was out of this world. And the and if you finally got a cab, like if you lived outside of downtown, they'd be like, no, nah, I'm not taking it. Then, then what the fuck are you supposed to do? That's very bizarre that it would be set up that way. That's like, they had a, it just doesn't make any sense. The, the cabs had a monopoly on it. They're like, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't feel like taking you here. At, you know, because the, the bars close at three thirty a.m. or four a.m. There, uh, that if you're at three thirty a.m., you know, minus ten, stuck out in downtown Halifax, and you're trying to get to one of the suburbs, they're like, no. Then they have to like if get a hotel room or drive. Basically, <laughs> have you ever heard about? taxi medallions like buying Do you know ta- what that is like buying a yeah. taxi medallion that's how you're legally allowed to drive a taxi like that those are like the very old school rules of owning it like they would yeah. cost money and that's how you became a cab driver yeah do you so like there but one of the one of the things that people have tried to be like oh well bitcoin will never work and then one of the examples that people gave was um taxi medallions because people assumed that ta- you know back when when taxi medallions first came around back in new york um they were like this crazy commodity and people made a bunch of money off of them and then i don't even remember what happened uh for them ending up not being valuable but i just uber I, came in and then anyone could do it 
Yeah, there there are some there are some very good taxi medallion stories. If you just go and like Google like taxi medallion stuff, it's pretty funny. Well, in New York City, they would cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would. I mean, yeah. They, I just remember there there's been so many things that people have compared Bitcoin to, but the the taxi medallion one was always the funniest to me because it just seems so stupid. Well, what else do I have here? Do you have anything that you want to talk about? Because I have a few more things, very quick hitters. Have you seen Tenant? I have not. Okay. You should watch it. I think you'd enjoy it, but it is... Confusing? Um, it's, oh, it's incredible. Well, once I got to the end, I understood a lot of what was left out there, but but also some of the things are just like, there is no answer to them because what the movie wasn't planned out that way. I thought it was interesting, though. It's very weird to have never to to make it go out in theaters first though nolan cost himself a bunch of money i don't know if he did or didn't i don't know how much money that warner brothers is making by sending everything to hbo max i think that's why they pulled back some movies to save for the theaters i think they would have been better off just holding it until theaters were open because i don't really want to watch it at home that is one of the few movies it was like watching 1917 like i had to go to a movie theater to go watch that that just seemed like that type of movie like i would want to see tenant in IMAX. I really would. Because it seems like that is the specific reason for that movie to exist. Is to see it on uh, as, as big of a screen yes. with the best sound as possible. Not all movies are like that. Um, you are you are a hundred percent correct. Um, that it would it would have been a much better experience in IMAX, no doubt about it. And I'll probably wait I assume they'll re-release it in IMAX once people can go to the are theaters open where you are? Oh, I'm sure they are. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I just would, I just would feel incredibly confident that they are. I, I feel like theaters here haven't been open for five months, with no. They well, they were talking about, and this is when people kind of lost their minds a little bit. That there are certain places that you won't be able to go to once the vaccine is like once starts once the vaccine comes out and people actually have the ability to go get it. That whether it's like airplane travel or whether it's the movie theater, I'm not sure if this was just something I saw on Facebook that people were freaking out about, or it was true that you would have to like provide proof of purchase that you have it, which I get why people would have a problem with it. I mean, I don't care. Uh, It's no different than I need to, my wife and I need to show proof that our kids are vaccinated before we send them to daycare or they won't take them. But I can see why people have problems with it. Um, yeah, this is, this is, uh, this would be a libertarian talking point that I would, um, agree with. Yeah. Like, like I would see why, um, I would see why that would bum someone out Yo, no, or, or why they would not agree with it. Yeah. But like, I, I don't care personally. Yeah. It's a, it's even like giving up your information to certain things. Like I understand the privacy that people want to have. Just, I don't care. I'm not forcing that on anyone else. It's just when it comes to me, yeah, sign me up for whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> just leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, the time for me to get protective about my personal information was like seven years ago. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten an iPhone ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if, uh, if you like, that's actually a great point. Like if you have a smartphone, like registered to like your email and everything, Whoever wants to know where you are can find out where you are. Yeah, if people want to steal your bank information, I'm sure they could do that too. Correct. Yeah, like immediately. Yeah, just, just people don't. You'd be, yeah. It, well, people put a lot of self-importance on themselves. Be like, oh my God, the government's going to do this to me or you know, hackers are going to do this to me. It just turns out that most people don't care about you. You're not important enough. Yeah, like 
Yeah, well, the the I, yeah, it's basically just the point is like if you wanted to do something about it, um, you needed to take that stance like a decade ago, and it's just far too late now. Uh, last thing, I threw this out on Twitter about creating a few new shows in the new year, whether it be like a daily baseball show, a daily hockey show, maybe a soccer show that's twice a week. I don't quite know when the... I wouldn't be on these, by the way, because I don't know anything about these sports. But in order to expand Mayo Media Network, I think we've had a lot of success with the MMA show. I'd like to try to create that with another sport or another topic, at least. Um, Do you think that one's better than the other in terms of this? Like... I would say baseball has the potential to be like the larger because baseball is larger, but I think that I would have a better shot at being a niche in hockey, almost like I did in golf where I feel like it's very under service that maybe that's the route to go. Um, I would probably listen to the baseball show, maybe the hockey show. It's just like, it's hard to gamble on hockey. Um, is basically the thing is like the there's no good season long action to be had on it like I think the the most you could win would be like maybe ten thousand dollars which doesn't seem like enough of a potential ROI and but I I don't necessarily think I would want this to be a betting or fantasy show I think it would have elements of that but don't sometimes you just want to like if let's say you're not a big hockey fan so maybe you're only interested in the gambling part of it but if there was a gambling and DFS aspect to it, but it was mainly just two bros talking hockey who just had good chemistry, wouldn't that just make for a better show? Like, if I was going to listen to a hockey podcast, I would probably f- just listen to a Colorado Avalanche podcast, which is the the team that I grew up supporting and liking. And like, if I wanted to get into it, I would probably want to get into it through that lens. But so, my so- guess is that there are hockey bros who would just want to sit back and be like, I just want to listen to a hockey show. And then you would get gambling and DFS along with it, at least at some point, and maybe that gets you into it. I don't know. Yeah. Because so, would, like, would, you I, have, I, would you have I, ever thought that a golf podcast would be a thing five years ago? No, probably not. Yeah. That you would listen to at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I love, uh, I love good golf podcasts. I also, I also, um, the I I I bet many people have this experience as well too, where where they watch some basketball. Like I probably watch like three four hours of basketball a week, but I probably listen to like six basketball podcasts. I am like, ex- basketball I'm exactly co- the same way. Yeah, I like f- basketball podcasts are just the best for whatever reason. I, I think that you find a lot of interesting people who are who gravitate towards basketball media in general, where maybe. 20 years ago, those same people gravitated towards football and baseball. It seems like all the best up-and-coming talent, younger talent, getting into the space are choosing basketball. And you get real personalities with that. Like, I can't listen to – there's not a single baseball podcast I can listen to that I find interesting. I just find it all really boring. And I used to love – I used to do a baseball podcast that I think that there is a market for a baseball podcast that isn't the driest fucking thing in the world. Um, I like the Fangraphs baseball podcast, but only for fantasy stuff. Like if I wasn't playing fantasy, I don't, I don't think I would listen to it. But is it a fun podcast or is it like, here are the stats you need to know? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, I think Paul, like I like Paul Sporer's voice. Um, I, I watch his, uh, Twitch stream sometimes too. So I, I like, I like that a little bit. I mean, it's not like the, the funnest podcast in the world, but like, I like it. But I think that basketball podcasts generally speaking 
where they stay away from gambling and daily fantasy by and large, I assume the ones that you listen to, they're just more fun and they're talking about basketball. Like why couldn't that work for other sports? Is that there's just not that many storylines in other sports? Cause I feel like there are, if you go looking for them. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that a lot of the people who are into basketball are, are able to um, speak about it in a, like a really, I don't know, entertaining. Like it's, it's, it's generally very thoughtful. Like, like when Zach Lowe, does his shows with Kevin Arnovitz. Like, I just think they're so good. Um, like I, I think I could listen to those two guys talk about basketball for like 10 hours a day. I find Zach Lowe kind of boring. Super, oh, see, I, I love su- Zach Lowe. Super sharp. I, I enjoy his dry humor, but he's kind of boring. Yeah. I think he's like, I, I agree. I think he's like very funny in a very Zach Lowe way. And like, so like I, I have like, and I bet you have these two, like you, the podcast, when they hit your feed that you're like, oh, I'm making an hour today to listen to that. Um, yeah. And the, the, the low post is definitely one of them. I, I have one every Monday that drops at the same time on every Monday. And like, I can't wait yeah. to listen to it. It's my favorite podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have like three where I'm like, yeah, I will, I will listen to this an hour today. Like I will get it done. And, and the low post is definitely one of them. Do you think that there's one person alive who feels that way about you and I doing podcasts together? Cause I'm going to guess no. I bet there is at least one person who sees the, the PME feed refresh with, with the Corona cast in the title and is like, we're getting that done today. That's getting listened to today. I bet there's at least one. All right. Well, shout out to that guy or girl who is out there. Uh, we, we appreciate Come on. it's, it's, it'd definitely be a guy. Yeah. It'd probably be like a 14 year old being like, these guys are so deep. And then everyone else is like, these guys are fucking morons. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, definitely there, there are more people that think we are morons than are very excited to listen to this show. True. Yes. I, most people just think I'm uh, you and I both follow. I think that's why people enjoy that. We do shows together because I think in this space, people consider us to be two of the bigger idiots. Definitely true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Last one. I want to do a series in the new year because I'm going to move at some point, which means I probably need two weeks worth of shows to cover my ass uh, while I move studios and get a new studio set up and everything like that. I was thinking about doing a series on the business of... The business of fantasy sports, gambling, digital media sports, something like that, where I would want to talk to like a bunch of different people, like even if it was like talking to Rick Wolf uh, or like Jeff Erickson or guys that were there at the beginning of like Roto Wire, like when they first got into the space, how was money made in fantasy sports? And then talk to like Jennings or Bales or even you about some of this stuff. Like, hey, how did, you know, the invention of tools and really being able to, you know, talking to Tommy G would actually be the craziest part of it. It's like, how does being a crazy person on Twitter make you hundreds of thousands of dollars? Like just the different angles that people make money in this business. Because I don't think that, unless you're it seems commonplace to us about how people make money, but even at the same time, like I know a lot of people that I either work with or I like tried to get jobs for that, like really don't understand where the money comes at all in this business. Well, it, uh, the money flows upstream. It always does, but it's a decent, it, it was at least I don't, I don't really know now, but like the ecosystem was, you know, right for the picking for a lot of people that people popped up out of nowhere and made a lot of money in gambling and daily fantasy sports. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the money definitely came from people winning GPPs to begin with, um, and then starting sites and then redispersing that. And now, now it's just a huge industry. Uh, but definitely, I think that you would find 
um, a lot of, I definitely think that you would, you'd find a lot of guys like, oh yeah, I won the millionaire maker. And then I, I reinvested it. Like I, I hired someone or I, I put like Cal and cam for roto grinders would be really interesting to have on. Cause a lot, I got, there are definitely cases. And this is true with, um, uh, Peter too, as far as I know, like a lot of the money, like he would win and then put that into fantasy labs. Yeah. See that, that makes a lot, but that's just investing in yourself to do something else for something that ended up being bigger. So like the, like I, in the past year, like Moose and I, we sold fantasy national. Uh, that was just a really interesting process to go through, uh, that, you know, I, I think that talking about those sorts of things and even getting some of the older people in and even talking to someone like Sal or even Al at this point, who have had a lot of success or, uh, Nick from, uh, fucks the acronym b big dog b, big dog fantasy yeah, yeah yeah i know you're talking about yeah, but, but nick does really well and sal does really well on like youtube they're like hey there's a monetization stream from that and these guys do really well they make a lot of money but oh money. yeah youtube is youtube is uh if if i mean if i could start all over again i would start a, a fantasy football youtube channel like 10 years ago and I'd be a millionaire. Well, that that that's my biggest regret is that I started the Roto Experts one, and then I started the Fantasy Sports Network one, and had all my content up there. But at the time, I don't think that they realized how valuable it was. I certainly didn't, and I don't think they were even really like monetizing it because I still own my same podcast feed from that time, which I'm able to monetize. But if I had just put all my shows on the Pat Mayo Hour, which it was called then, YouTube channel instead of the Fantasy YouTube channel, which I probably could have got away with because they weren't paying attention at all and that i own right. that that would have happened in like 2013 i mean i built that one up to before i left like seventy thousand subs i built the draft when i took over the DraftKings one it had like thirty thousand. it has like 120 now that i probably have like the same as the fan the fantasy footballers would actually be the guys to talk to about this because they just rake oh yeah they they're they're i mean they are the business geniuses they but, are the but, visionaries but we started doing the same thing at the same time Except they own their stuff and I didn't own my stuff, which was the big difference. And now I'm poor and they're rich. <laughs> and so they're also rich, and they're also so far rich. more popular. But like when I left yeah. fantasy, some people didn't find my show again till two and a half years later, if ever, because they only ever watch it on YouTube on that specific channel. The fact that I've jumped around three separate channels, that's why actually having my own. It took me seven years to get to the point where I own all my own stuff, but you know, I feel like I really cost myself in the long run. Well, you know, we're doing we're doing good now. You got the Mayo Media Network. We're we're on track, buddy. Yeah, but I feel like I've missed the boat on this that if I was better at Twitch, maybe Twitch would have been a better spot to go with or whatever like some new thing is I don't understand would have been a better way to go. Like is getting into Twitch you- Twitch is uh still exploitable. There's still time to I mean if you wanted to grind it, there's still time. I feel like I'd prefer to grind whatever the next one is cuz I feel like I missed the boat. I'd rather be like anyone who kind of skipped Instagram and just went straight to TikTok, that yeah, know, just being early on some of these platforms and being the first one in is so valuable that it would almost be worth hiring someone to like spot out and start putting testers on every new social platform just to be the first one in. Yeah, I mean that, or or someone, yeah, like someone to also start, uh, you know, disseminating your your stuff on all these new platforms and wherever you get traction, just like really run with it. Yeah, and focus on that, and then try to figure out how to monetize it at a later date. But I don't know. It's fun to talk about in theory, to actually do in practice, and sit there and try to figure it out is a fucking nightmare. A lot of work. 
Yeah, a lot of work. Big nightmare. Yeah. yeah. That's why the people who grind it, they're they're dedicated, man. And and lucky, you know, obviously the, the hidden the hidden role of luck in all of our lives. A lot of a lot of it is luck. True, but if you're not grinding anyway, you can be the luckiest person on earth. If you're not doing anything, you can't use that luck to your advantage whatsoever. Yeah, I mean you have to be you have to be putting forth something that can earn you money in order to get lucky in the first place. Yeah. Anyway, like the show if you're watching this on my YouTube channel and subscribe to it, please. I'd like to make money from mine. That'd be nice. I can afford to pay more people. That's one thing I've been trying to do. A lot of people have been reinvesting into stocks and things like that. Uh, I've been trying to hire some more people. Uh, a lot of people I know got like laid off, especially in this industry, that being able to give them like freelance work, I mean, it's stuff that I need to be done, but instead of doing it myself, you know, being able to expand at a much greater rate, being able to like you know, transfer some of the money around has been kind of nice. Bought any Bitcoin yet? No. No, I actually bought a bunch of stock the other day. I feel like I've missed the boat on Bitcoin. I don't want to spend, because uh, in Canadian, I think it's $34,000 to buy a Bitcoin, uh, that I don't feel like spending $34,000 to buy a Bitcoin, that I bought uh, a bunch of stock in... Air well, you don't You don't have to buy a Bitcoin, bro. You can buy like 0.1. What the fuck would I want to do with 0.1 of a Bitcoin? I don't know. What? What? I mean... Like, do you feel like Bitcoin's going to be worth $100,000? And you're going to be like, well, I could have bought it, but I didn't. So I just missed the boat. Like, do you feel like that'll just be your continued reaction? Like, oh, I missed the boat. It's too late. Yeah, probably. It, maybe if it has a significant dip again that goes back down to like 12000 or something like that, which I know you'll say is impossible, but it's, it's already happened. Before. Oh, no, I, that, I'm actively rooting for that at this point. Yeah, th then I would probably jump in and buy a whole bunch. Um, but until that happens, you know, Bitcoin isn't the only way in the world to make money. It's not the only it's thing true. that goes up in price. So there are, Hey, I mean, the money printer goes burr. Everything goes up. Yeah. So um, I'm curious to see what happens to it. So congratulations to you and your net worth going way up. I know a lot of people that have done really well with Bitcoin. I am not one of them. Actually, I probably even laughed you off the last time. Uh, but congratulations to you on that. The year of Bitcoin 2020, and maybe we'll see in 2021 where it goes. But I bought some airline stock in Canada's National Airlines. Nice. Yeah, um, I love that. I, I, I missed out on it because I wanted to do it when it was $12 a share back in like May. I just... I was trying to like put down money on a house, starting up Mayo Media Network. I I had some funds that you know, couldn't go to buying airline stock, but now that we've kind of settled out on it, uh, I ended up picking it up at like nineteen bucks a share, and like it was trading at f almost fifty before the pandemic. And it's probably going to be a longer term investment because oh good, it's up two bucks today, fantastic. Uh, but in two years' time, if stuff is back to normal, it's going to go back to where it was. I just have to wait on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the the airline investment idea. I, I have a bunch of Southwest stock. Well, the biggest difference between Air Canada, at least in my mind, versus the rest of airline stock is that this is it can't go bankrupt. The, the government will be. It has bailed it out before. Like the, the yeah, Canadian, it never it never goes to zero. The Canadian government will not allow it to go out of business. It would just be it would impact the country too much. Yeah, and why would they? Why would they let it go to zero? Well, yeah, yeah. It, it can't. DraftKings stock. There you go. How can how can I invest in it? How can Americans invest in it? It's probably not allowed. I would think so. It's it's traded on the TSX. Like, All right. Well, I'm gonna I, go. I, I'm I can, gonna go. I can look. buy Nasdaq stock, like on the Nasdaq or the Dow or whatever it is. Like I can buy American stock. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to buy Canadian stock. Air Canada. Uh, AC.TO, I believe, is the stock handle. It's trading at 20, 2302 right now. Let's go. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to find a way to buy Air Canada today. You've sold me. DraftKings is way down, though, as I notice today. Last two days, is it's it? been way I, down. I noticed, uh, I just noticed in general, a lot of my weed stocks were taken we're taking a, a hit today. Yeah. Yeah. DK is down a little bit. What yeah. can you do? Yeah. DK was up to 56. Now it's back down to 49. I would, pref- uh, I would prefer it go to $400 a share. Davis, that would be great for me. Hey, it would be great for all of us. If, if it goes to uh, 400 a share, it means all of our lives are, are exponentially better. Even regardless. What do you cash out at? Let's say you own DraftKings stock. What's the number you cash out at? Like if it gets to a hundred, would you cash out? I, my, my thing is I don't want to cash out of anything until I've made like some good life-changing money. What's life-changing you money? Know? Like if I, if, if my DK stock was worth like, like I could cash out for like 10,000 or whatever, maybe I would do that. But I, I am just so my, my, I, we've talked about this before. My costs in life are just so low. I need so little money to get by day to day that I might as well just try and accumulate as much money as possible for a, a time in which that is not true. You know, kids, house, cars, all that shit. Yeah. Interesting. All right, dude. Happy 2021. Hopefully it's a better year. Let's hope so, man. And let's, uh, let's hope you have an opportunity to buy some Bitcoin. I mean, that means you've lost a lot of money if that's the case. So I, I don't wish that upon you. I just wish it goes up for all my Bitcoin friends out there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Everyone. Thank you very much for, for listening. I just had a moment of panic where I didn't realize that you were the one recording and that I thought we just had this whole conversation on recorded. I mean, we do that. I mean, we're going to go for another hour and a half anyway, just chatting. <laughs> oh my God. That would, I, can you imagine I would have lost my mind? That's never, that's never happened to me before in the history of podcasting. Whew, you're lucky. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like you would just assume it would have for sure, but somehow it has not. Yeah, well, you're very fortunate. Good luck on your side. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> All right, dude. See ya. All right. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.